On this episode of the Breaking the Game show, I am joined by a friend of the show. He's been on multiple times since we've uh, been <laughs> been in existence. He is a contributor to HoopsProspects.com and is also one of the hosts of the Witch Carolina podcast that is Lee Branscombe. He comes in as we discuss picks 21 through 30 of my NBA mock draft. We get into some of the players that he's higher or lower on than the consensus and you know, we just have a really good time anytime he's on the show. So you're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking the Game show. And we are closing out what I am calling Breaking the Game NBA Draft Weekend. And I can't think of a better way to close out any weekend than to link up with one of the brightest minds in the NBA Draft community. Today, we have the host or one of the hosts, excuse me, of the Witch Carolina uh, podcast. And he's also a contributor to HoopProspects.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Lee Branscombe. Lee, what's up, brother? Oh man, we are uh, we're less than a week away, Stephen. And um, yeah, anytime I can get on breaking the game, uh, it's a, it's a good Sunday. So uh, appreciate you having me on. And um, yeah, man, we are we are coming up against it. So definitely doing a little bit of last minute cramming, you know, last minute adjustments, yep. crossing my T's, <laughs> dotting my eyes, and uh, I'll have my big my final big board out. I'm you know. I probably should do more throughout the process, but I'm just the type. I do one final board like the night before the draft, put it out. And uh, so I'll have that out Wednesday night. Um, so kind of just doing everything I need to do to make sure that's uh, as tidy as possible. Yeah, and I can't blame you for that. I've put out a couple revisions, so to speak, mm -hmm. as for my big board. And I understand, you know, the the wanting to be conservative and having one final product <laughs> that you just put out there. And you do such a tremendous job. I can't wait to see where you actually have guys place. You know, I've been keeping up with you on social media and whatnot and listening to your commentary on certain prospects. I'm ready just to see the final product, man. Me too, man. And honestly, it's probably more... Uh probably more bandwidth than anything like I, I think maybe next year if, if i if i can get the time I, i'd like to put out a couple different iterations like through the process so people can see kind of how my opinions change um but for now a lot of that just happens behind the scenes and i'll get the final product out there yeah and i'll be standing by for that release out on wednesday so lee we're coming into my mock draft. You know, yeah. I've had a couple of, you know, tremendous guests on, you know, day one. I had Nathan Grubel from Draft Deeper. You know, yesterday I had the pleasure of hosting, uh, you know, Raphael Barlow of the Locked On, you know, podcast network. He came on and kind of hit my middle of my first round. And, you know, Lee, it's one of those things to where like you would think, oh, okay, I'm in the back end of a mock draft. Like how fun is this? But for nerds like us, dude, it's awesome. We get to talk about some of the unsung heroes coming into this draft. And, you know, later on in the show, we'll talk about guys that you're high on, low on, maybe even a couple of second round steals potentially. But, um, man, you, um, you have the, the pleasure of coming on the show today and yes, starting off with the first pick in our mock draft for part three. It's a very important pick and for Off the Ball Network, man. We have a lot of Knicks fans in our circle. And we're going to open up here with my 21st pick. I selected Kai Jones from Texas. 
the 6'11", roughly 220 pound big man, um, really high on his, you know, physical attributes, the the quick twitch that he has, the second bounce, the defensive potential is there, shows a little bit of flashes in other areas too. Um, Texas had a pretty crowded front court, so maybe a little bit more room to play out in New York. And with, you know, injuries that we've seen to Mitchell Robinson, you know, will they, won't they with Nerlens Noel? I think that Kai Jones makes sense here if he's available. What do you think? Yeah, I think, I mean, look, if Kai Jones is available in the 20s, I think the the risk world profile becomes so tempting and tantalizing. I think teams would be kind of falling over themselves to get him in the 20s, you know, I'm super high on Kai Jones. So mm-hmm. I'll just I'll just start by saying that. Like I think Kai Jones is easily a lottery talent. Um I wouldn't be surprised to see him go in the lottery. I know most people I th- I think the consensus is more around kind of where you have him. Like late teens, early 20s seems to be where a lot of people are mocking him. Um you know, I think the only like slight pushback maybe I'd give to this is is there a little too much overlap with Obi Toppin from last year, but I think where Kai separates himself from Toppin is what you mentioned earlier, the defensive versatility. Like Kai Jones can switch out onto guards and wings, sit his hips down, and slide and play defense. And that, from a 6'11", versatile big defender, is obviously just like incredibly valuable in today's NBA. Um, I I was actually tweeting about Kai Jones earlier. Like Another thing you kind of alluded to, his – ability and flashes all they are are really flashes right Mm -hmm. now but like pump fake two dribble pull-ups uh face up jab step pull up three um pump fake one dribble pull-ups like he's got some off the dribble creation uh shot creation that is just super unique for his for his size um but even if that stuff doesn't work out he shot 38 from three this year but it was on super low volume um so you kind of have to take that with a grain of salt but like, even if he doesn't become a super effective floor stretcher, even if the off the dribble shot creation is 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 nothing but flashes, he's still a hyper elite athlete. He's yep. still gonna rim run, rim roll, rim protect. He's still a versatile switchy defender. So like, I know Kai's kind of being framed as this massive risk reward, and there's some truth to that. Don't get me wrong; he's a swing for the fences for sure. But I actually think his floor is a little higher than most people are um, giving him credit for. Like, I just don't really necessarily see him completely failing. Whereas I think most people are kind of taking the the approach for Kai of like, he's either going to be a star or he's going to be out of the league in five years. And I don't see the variance quite as 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 big as that. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that he does have some unique NBA-ready skills already. The athleticism certainly helps out. You wonder if his body is going to hold up with some of the the bigger centers in the NBA, right? But there's already those questions with players in the NBA already, so why not go ahead and draft the kid if you like him, right? So um, that'll close out pick 21 for for my mock draft. And we'll roll into um, a team that definitely underperformed due to expectations and what they – already achieved last season. Obviously, injuries are a name to the game. A lot of uh, turnover in their roster. Uh, But ultimately, the Los Angeles Lakers, they find themselves here at pick 22. I went with a player that I think is, it's a little bit harder to gauge where he's going to be long term. But I think that if you're an NBA team that's wanting to compete now, you saw what he did in college. I think that he helps you from day one just Obviously, being a rotational player, 
coming in, maybe working his way up to giving you some starter minutes. And that is Nashawn Highland or Bones Highland, depending on which uh, name you want to give him. You know, coming out of VCU 6'3", a little undersized, needs to probably need to put on a little bit more weight. But we've seen under undersized guards succeed in the NBA, even today's NBA. Um, he's got a he has a knack for hitting some pretty difficult shots coming out of VCU, and that's something that if you watched LA play this last season, they need a little bit of help in the shot creation uh, department, and that's where I think Bones can fit in with LA here, Lee. Yeah, I'm big fan of Bones Highland. Uh, obviously, he had probably, arguably, I'd say the best combine performance. He only played one game, but he mm-hmm. he balled out in that game and then shut it down. Um, big time shooting prospect, like movement shooter coming off screens. Um, does a really really good job of like always making sure his body gets square even when he's on the move, which is always a pretty good indicator of like a, a big time shooting prospect. All, you pair that with like effortless range, like he's a guy who's just as comfortable shooting at two to three steps behind the line than he is right on the line, which does bode well for like NBA range, obviously. Um, as you said, kind of like a developing um, creator. I don't think he's like. a a superb facilitation guard at this point, but he's fully capable of kind of getting in the lane, one read passing and things of that nature. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I do think LA probably goes guard or wing here because like Caruso is a free agent. He gives them perimeter defense. Highland doesn't necessarily give them much perimeter defense, but as you said, kind of the Lakers hole right now is like ancillary shot creation around their two stars. So, you know, I, I think this makes a ton of sense. Wouldn't be shocked at all. I think the only like wrench here could be that what what LA and what LeBron teams seem to always do is trade the pick away. Like that's certainly possible. But um, if they stay here, yeah, I wouldn't be shocked to see Bones go twenty two to LA. There's a couple other guards that I like that I think might be maybe slightly more capable of of helping right away if they mm-hmm. keep the pick. But as like a long term high upside. Uh, creation. I like I've kind of comped Bones to Malik Monk a good bit. I think there's the you know, Bones is probably a better shooter, but there's kind of similar body types, offensive microwave types. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think it's I think it's a fine pick. I like Highland a lot. I do too. And again, you know, when looking at where I have these guys picked, you know, for the listeners, you know, I have a big board and then I have a mock draft. And Lee, Love you it. know, when you have a, a big board and a mock draft, the way it's mocked doesn't always go in order of how great you think these players are going to be down the line you know there's fit involved with there too and lakers they've been rumored to be in the point guard market you know yep. since the season ended right you know they're they're shopping for any and all point guards it seems like and you know if they can't get one obviously being able to draft one and obviously too for the name of the the mock draft the the trades have been nixed you know nobody's trading right, anything right, 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 oklahoma right. city's keeping all 32 of their picks <laughs> this season so that's just the way it's going to be for for the rest of this mock so all right lee i have an interesting prospect and it's interesting um just for how polarizing he can be depending on how you evaluate him but man the houston rockets are on the clock they got consecutive picks they have this one and then the following you know they're looking to build off of losing james harden uh earlier in this mock draft i had them selecting jalen suggs now that one may shock people because you, you only see Jalen Green, maybe even Evan Mobley um, on most other mocks. But when I look at Houston, I see a team that is in the midst of an identity crisis. 
Yep. And I think that Jalen Suggs gives your team an identity. I comp him a lot in that aspect to uh, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, a guy that we mm-hmm. both loved coming into the draft last season. Yep. You know, may not be the hands down best player that you could get there, but with team with the team that has had all of their players just say that they're unhappy and leave the general manager, you know, the coach, everybody is leaving. You need players to help create an identity. That's what I thought Jalen Suggs did for this team. And how else can you improve from losing James Harden? I don't know. Maybe draft a guard who went to Arizona State and wore the number 13 (laughs) to come in and be his kind of pseudo replacement here. That being Josh Christopher, the young man out of Arizona State. Team that had high expectations, um, didn't really meet up to those. A lot of guys with similar skill sets. Um, But I still think that Josh Christopher has a home in the NBA. Tremendous upside, an athletic freak of nature. Um, Didn't really shoot that well. But Lee, if you believe that free throws can kind of help, you know, build upon a a, a player's ability to shoot from deep, that's there as well. So what do you think about Christopher going to Houston here? Yeah, so this is kind of one of those like, I'm, I'm, how should I put this? I think, I think Josh Christopher is a first round prospect. I'm not Mm -hmm. quite as high on him as some others, but this is a situation where I just love the fit. Like particularly as a compliment to Suggs who went number two in your mock draft. Um, And just for the record, like I completely agree with you. I think Jalen Suggs is definitely worthy of going second in this draft. Uh, I do think he's a slightly better prospect than Jalen Green. I'm still trying to decide who I prefer between Mobley and Suggs, and it is tough. Yeah. Um, I'll figure that out in the next three days. Um, <laughs> Good luck, but, uh, but but I think uh, I think this is a really nice complimentary backcourt guard to Suggs. Both physical, both solid athletes, um, but 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 offer a little bit uh, of, of different profiles. Suggs more of an on the ball creator, facilitator. Christopher a little bit more kind of like wired to score projects as, as, as more of like a true two guard kind of in mm-hmm. his future. Um, you're right. The shooting's got to improve. Um, the ball handling probably needs to improve a little bit, but I think Houston, um, I think they'd be thrilled to get Josh Christopher here and kind of solidify that young backcourt, of course, to go along with Kevin Porter jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you're all of a sudden looking at like a pretty interesting young core um, down in Houston, who, like you said, is just in complete rebuild mode. Yeah. And again, is this is a guy that is polarizing. He's kind of wide ranging on a number of mocks. And just real quick, while I got you on the topic of Suggs, because it doesn't feel like people are, are really talking about him. He's just kind of penciled in to go to Toronto, and that's just the end of it. And what's interesting to me, I talked to Raphael about this. I've talked to some of the guys like uh, Chris LeBron at Off the Ball about this. It's like when you hear Cade Cunningham, there's like nothing but promise and potential mm-hmm. but when but when you're evaluate when you hear people evaluating Suggs it's like he's a 24 year old you know fifth year senior coming into the pros and people forget like the kid is a, a freshman coming in and that he also can develop and get better too and plus what we've seen from him the interviews that we've heard he seems like he's going to come into the NBA and be an absolute workhorse too in the gym so what are your thoughts about the way that there really hasn't been much buzz surrounding Suggs lately? Yeah, it's interesting because like he had such a kind of magical uh, March Madness run. Normally, that kind of catapults prospects into into you know buzz, but he he never really has caught that. And I think that's a really good way of putting it. It's kind of like people. It, it seems like the opinion makers around him almost consider him as like yeah, like they talk about him like he's an older prospect, like he's some mm-hmm. type of finished prospect, finished product, which 
I don't think could be farther from the truth. I think another thing conce like conceptually that people get wrong with Suggs a little bit is, oh, like he was in this perfect situation around all these great players in the, in the, in the perfect system, which there is some truth to. Sure. I just describe to the opinion that Suggs created that perfect situation more than he was a beneficiary of it. And like you take Jalen Suggs away from that team mm -hmm. and all of a sudden I, I don't think the gears fit as well as they did. Like he was the driving force um, on that team from a, from a ball creation standpoint. And, and obviously like Kispert's awesome. Uh, sure. Drew Timmy was incredible. Like, like Mark few is probably the best coach in college basketball. So like, I, I realize that I, I understand how people get to that point. I just think if you really dig in and watch and watch the film on Jalen Suggs, you would realize that he was the he was the straw stirring the drink rather than the other way around. And I think that that will shine through uh, early in his career in the NBA. I'm pretty confident of that. Um, I would be comfortable taking him as high as two. But I will say, if he falls to four to Toronto, that may be the best situation for him, mm -hmm. and may allow him to like, you know, push for rookie of the year and things of that nature. Absolutely, yeah, no doubt about that. And you know, I'm a, I'm a, obviously a big fan of him too. So it's nice that uh, we can both sit here and speak glowingly of Suggs, and you know, hopefully nothing but the best for him. All right, so continuing on here with the draft. As we mentioned earlier, the Houston Rockets have the potential to have the 23rd and the 24th pick in this year's draft. Now, we had them take Suggs second overall. They just took Josh Christopher. Why not now address potential front court, uh, you know, player that they can implement here? I like Deron Sharp out of North Carolina coming in here. You know, he didn't really get as much playing time as the other guys that are drafted ahead of him and even behind him. But the minutes that he did put up, you know, he average close to 10 and eight, you know, coming off the bench for North Carolina. He had a few big games as the season progressed. I think that he's already got an NBA ready frame, you know, at 6'10", about 265. Like this kid is going to come in and not just kind of be shoved around. I like his ability to run pick and roll, obviously more as a role man now, but this is another big man that displayed flashes at North Carolina. And even though it was kind of a disappointing season up to their standards, I still think that Sharp can come in here at 24 and address a pretty big need for Houston and even play alongside a Christian Wood who we know that can stretch the floor. Yeah, so again, just absolutely love this pick. I'm, I have been of the opinion throughout this entire cycle that Dayron Sharp is a first-round prospect. He's another guy that is um, somewhat forgotten, I think, in conversations. He ju you just don't see him kind of brought up one way or the other, really. Mm -hmm. like I'm not saying people are necessarily too low on him. I just think he he just doesn't get discussed all that much. Um, and part of that is because UNC wasn't great this year. The yep. other piece of that is something you alluded to. He was part of a four uh, a four man post rotation at UNC: Walker Kessler, Garrison Brooks, Armando Bacot, and Dayron Sharp. So you know he only played 19 minutes a game as yeah. a freshman. Um, that being said, he led the ACC in total rebound percentage. He's just an absolute glass cleaner. He was top 10 in block percentage. He's got really impressive kind of um, uncommon for his size, like defensive anticipation skills. Like you see mm -hmm. him get out in the passing lanes at times. He's also a really good passer for his size yeah. as well, too. You see that in the high-low stuff at UNC. Got some really good touch on like his, his high-low over the top, bounce passes to back cutters. I think that'll pair really well. Like 
I guess what I'm trying to say is I think this is a really nice complimentary pick for a young developmental post alongside Christian Wood because he's a high motor kind of defensive minded motor guy next to Christian Wood, who's obviously kind of like a, a, a hybrid big offensive savant type post. So they yep. would work really well together, in my opinion. Um and and yeah, and he you know he's young. I mean, he's a true freshman that contributed at a high level in a in a tough situation where he had to share a lot of minutes at Carolina. And yeah, I think he's absolutely a top twenty five prospect in this draft class. And I think uh, I think you've done a good job. I think the Rockets fans would hopefully be pretty happy with this haul right here. I, I mean, that's what I, I try to make everyone happy. You know, I look at it from a long term perspective as well. And I'm thinking too, if you can if you could sport a, a you know, at worst, a top five that looks like Jalen Suggs, you know, um, Kevin Porter Jr., you throw out Josh Christopher, you have Christian Wood, and now you're adding Deron Sharp. Like, that's a that might be like a G League darling right there for at least the first maybe two seasons, right? Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, cool. So now we can roll into the Los Angeles Clippers. And again, this is a team that there's rumors will, will Kawhi, won't Kawhi. You know, are there going to be sweeping changes and free agency, things of that nature? You know, can we expect like a Luke Kennard possibly to be dealt? A whole lot of possibilities here, but we're going to stick with what we got right now. With the 25th pick, look, it's no secret that the the Clippers are in the market for a point guard here, right? So we, we look at some of the point guards that were already taken. There's really not a lot of other ones left that people are kind of high on, so... And, and look, this is a prospect that you. a lot of people just seem to be kind of down on lately. Uh-huh. But the thing is, is that this draft is so deeply that even though he's not as high as some of these others, look, he could come in to the Clippers and do a great job. That being Sharif Cooper, the young man out of Auburn, a little undersized at, you know, six foot, maybe um, also 165 pounds, maybe. But his ability to move the ball, whip it around to score the confidence that he has. I feel like his attitude kind of fits this Clippers roster as well. I think it's kind of a hand in glove fit, but I'm interested to hear your perspective on that Lee. Yeah. So uh, I am also probably a little lower on Shreve Cooper than the consensus, but when you start to get into this kind of mid twenties back, uh, back into the first round is where I think his, his value starts to starts to make a ton of sense. I got to ask, who did you take for New York at 19? So I took Trey Mann to be okay. the, the their guard there, which you know the defensive versatility, the 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 sh- the pure shooting that he gives, the size he kind of fits. I think that he can play next to quickly in a in a cool little backcourt lineup there. So okay, perfect. Because I was I was curious, like if you hadn't taken a guy like Trey Mann, who I love, like I mm-hmm. think Trey Mann's like a top fifteen to eighteen prospect in this draft. Um, I would have said that I love the Sharif Cooper pick in New York, but Trey Mann makes a ton of sense to me. Uh, this is another fit that I really like for Sharif Cooper. There's only a couple places that I would be like super encouraged about him going, and L.A. and New York are two of the, the highest on those lists because it would allow him to be in a situation where you would hope that his inability right now to shoot the basketball wouldn't um, – alienate him as much Mm -hmm. as it would in some other places obviously he's probably the best passer in this draft cycle he's maybe the best lob thrower prospect that i've ever seen ever like okay both hands just makes incredibly tough like they look easy to to you know to casual fans like oh like he just threw this little lob pass with his left hand across the lane 
to you know the perfect spot for his guy to dunk it through but like those are incredibly difficult passes to make he is he is a sensational high lob passer which can be really valuable in the nba i the shooting concerns me yep. the defense concerns me mm-hmm. and and the fact that he kind of used and like he's not a huge guy but he's pretty bulky and he's like he's feisty mm-hmm. and i think he used like yeah, I know this sounds counterintuitive because people think of him as a small guy, but like he used bully ball at times to get to the basket yep. and just kind of overpowered and overwhelmed college guards, which I don't know that he's going to be able to do that at the NBA level. He is really good at like absorbing contact and hanging around the rim and finishing and things of that nature. Um, I just really worry about like his point of attack defense, his shooting and um, and how that will affect like his his ultimate like value add profile. That being said, at 25, I'm totally cool with it. Once you get to the back half of this second round, particularly when some of these other guards are already off the board, I think it makes a ton of sense in LA, who, um, like you said, is in the in the market for a creator. Yeah, and I think too that you know the defensive liability that he could potentially be. One we've seen Lou Williams thrive in this system. Um, right. Not necessarily the best three point shooter. Not saying he's a a poor one, right? But he's not what I would consider to be like a plus three point shooter on this team or even necessarily a passer, but his lack of defense definitely was taken advantage of at moments. But the Clippers ultimately, I think, I think when you look at compared to other teams that they were able to kind of mitigate whatever defensive liabilities that he were up until like the playoffs, if that makes sense. But now as a rookie, most rookies are going to struggle defensively anyway. So if you, if you can draft a guy that can whip the ball around, can help alleviate, you know, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George having to become more playmakers than they are finishers. I think that that kind of helps the Clippers further down the line. All right, Lee. So now we're going to go up to pick 26. The Denver Nuggets are on the clock. And you know what, man? Denver, they do a pretty good job of of drafting players that they like and that fit their system. And they put them in. Now, every once in a while, you can kind of get your exceptions to the, to this rule. But by and large, when Denver drafts somebody, they typically make it into their rotation. So when I look at Denver, you know, Jamal Murray coming in off of an injury, I feel like they could go that route, but I don't know with all of the guards that have been taken so far, if at 26, you're kind of looking to address that need. So maybe you kind of fill out your other backcourt rotation spot, you know, maybe your two. This guy maybe even gets you minutes at the three, depending on the matchup that you're in. And that being Jaden Springer, the young man out of Tennessee, 6'4", about 205 pounds. Um, another one of these just great athletes in the SEC. You're, you're kind of an athlete first and then a basketball player second sometimes, depending on the team. Um, I think Jaden Springer comes in defensively. He's there. Um, Slashing-wise, he's there. He kind of makes uh, you know some of the other players that haven't been able to do so much on this team so far a little bit more expendable. And I think that it's a pretty decent fit, but I'm interested to see where you have Jaden Springer here. Yeah, so definitely probably one of my hottest takes of this draft cycle. I think outside of Jalen Suggs and Jalen Green, who who I do think are clearly superior uh, guard prospects to Jaden Springer, I think he's the third best guard in this entire draft. Okay, Um, I've got Jaden Springer in the lottery. Um, I realize that's a minority opinion, um, but I just I, like I see how young he is. Number one, mm-hmm. uh, one of the youngest players in this draft class um, on on ball. Actually, he's the he's the fourth youngest player in this draft class yeah. um, on the ball. Just a complete brick house on the ball defender. 
Uh, and that, I mean, and, and for, you know, a kid who's 18 years old, like that is only going to um, compound upon itself with, with improvement and value. I mean, we see um, how a guy, you know, we see a guy like Drew Holiday who just, who just won a title as, as pretty much the third option as a guy who you almost forget that he exists offensively at times, but he's such an incredible um, on the ball defender that, that he's that valuable. And he makes, he makes a difference for a team that couldn't win a title without him that, that now has, has just won one with him. I think mm-hmm. Jaden Springer, you know, maybe he's never like an all NBA defender, but I think he's got massive defensive upside. He was also an incredibly efficient shooter at Tennessee. Now, he was a very judicious shooter. Like he he didn't take a ton of volume. Mm-hmm. Um, he wasn't in the pick and roll a ton because Tennessee didn't run the pick and roll a lot. And if they did, they had Viscovi, who's an international college guard that's got some some nice like facilitation on the ball creation, is a little bit more experienced than Springer at this point. Um, so we haven't really seen him in like a spread heavy pick and roll type situation, but a guy that can turn can turn the corner and get downhill handles the ball incredibly adeptly shows shows some facilitation flashes and can really shoot it um and and he's just like the premier body type to be a solid NBA point guard um so I I, I mean shoot if Denver gets him at 26 <laughs> like run to the podium you know what I mean so like yep. I have I I, I love Jaden Springer I love the fit in Denver I just think he should go way way higher. Yeah, and that's fair. And when I'm looking at him, I don't know if the handle translates all that well. I don't know if the the shooting is real. I know that the defense is going to be there, right? But I don't know if I go like like a like a potentially like an all maybe not even an all NBA level defender, but like a really good one mm-hmm. um, that high. But I certainly get where people and the age, right? Like that's the big thing. I think that a lot of people they look at and say look, this kid is still trying to figure out the game of basketball and is already doing a great job right now. If if you're a training staff like a Denver, you're like, we can work with this kid, you totally. know, like, and everything hits well, he's going to he's gonna have a successful NBA career. Yeah, just for context, it's uh, Primo, Kaminga, Giddy, Springer in that order as the youngest dra- uh, draft prospects. And then, and then JT Thor would be fifth. Yeah, there's a lot of really tantalizing yeah. young prospects in this draft, man. It's a it's a deep draft. There's a lot to be excited about. And it's one of these drafts where like I wish I can have 20 dudes in my top 10, you totally, know, or, totally. or 60 in my top 30. Yeah, there's going to be really good players drafted in the second round in my opinion in this draft, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's transition to a guy who a lot of people kind of have in their kind of high second round draft range, maybe to late first. I'm pretty high on the kid, but the Brooklyn Nets are on the clock here and you know, these draft picks, they have to, they have to do something with them. If they if they keep them, they got to hit. And if they trade them, they got to bring in a, a, a ready-to-win-now rotational player. I think, though, if they keep, they go with a pretty interesting route here. And uh, Philippe Petrosev, you know, the international big man coming in, he's about 6'11", 235. Um, profiles right now, I think, is a really good catch-and-shoot big man, a pick-and-pop guy. And look, you could do a lot with a Kyrie Irving, a James Harden, or Kevin Durant pick and roll with a player like this, whether he's involved with it or just as a spot up threat. Uh, the upside, obviously, I think is there with him. You know, went to Gonzaga for a little bit. It was like, nah, this ain't for me. Let me go back to playing international basketball. So one, if he's good enough to be a Gonzaga big man that you know that he's got talent, 
already at the collegiate level. And then internationally, he just did nothing but display that. So one, where are you at with him overall as a prospect? And what do you think of the potential of him being a Brooklyn Netley? Yeah, well, um, Flip's really interesting because, like you said, he was at Gonzaga last season, could have came back, chose not to, went to play um, in the Adriatic League overseas. Mm -hmm. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he was the MVP of the Adriatic yes, League. he was. Yep. Yeah, so um, – and and one of the, the more interesting, I think, kind of like player development stories in this draft right now is Flip, who was not much of a floor stretcher at all at Gonzaga – really shot the ball well for KK Mega. So mm -hmm. um th like that's just really interesting cuz as you said like if he if he's a true like floor stretch pick and pop guy, I think that's a lot more interesting than than the than the Gonzaga profile we saw last year which was an impressive low post scorer mm -hmm. um but like how valuable is that profile in today's NBA if you're not much of a rim protector and you can't space the floor so the fact that he's now showing the ability to shoot makes him a bit more tantalizing in my opinion i guess i'm a little more um which is <laughs> which is uncommon for me but i guess i'm more with the consensus on this one is like second round pick for me mm -hmm. um but at the end of the day like brooklyn needs space floor spacing and they need pick and pop and they need off and i mean they have tons of offensive talent but they need ancillary offensive talent to allow their stars to do what they do um so you know i, I could see it it doesn't seem ridiculous to me by any means i'm just a bit lower on flip i think than um than this than this right here and that's perfectly fine i appreciate you you know uh, keeping the kid kid gloves on so to speak with the you know saying that you're not so high on them but you certainly see the fit aspect of it that means a lot lee you're 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 too good to me man i appreciate well, hey, it and look seriously though like in all seriousness like his shooting development i think is one of the under discussed um player development storylines of this draft because he didn't do it at all last year and yeah. he's like filling it up from deep and and by the way the adriatic league is one of the better uh, overseas professional leagues and has has produced a ton of NBA guys. So it's not yeah. like it's not like he's playing, you know, with the with the sisters of the blind over there. That's that's <laughs> a really good league. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I like him a lot as a prospect, and I could see Brooklyn maybe looking at keeping him as a kind of like a developmental guy, but also a guy who could come in and just give you really good minutes mm -hmm. um, as, a, as a floor spacer and, and keeping those driving lanes open for a, a James Harden, Kyrie Irving, or Kevin Durant. All right, so from one interesting prospect to another, I feel like we're kind of getting into that realm of interesting prospects this late in the draft here, Lee. Um, the Philadelphia 76ers are on the clock. You know, a lot of rumors on will they get a Bradley Bill? Will they get a Damian Lillard? You know, who's available to be had? I think they have one of the best interesting trade packages out of any other NBA team um, with a Tyrese Maxley and Matisse Thibel, Ben Simmons and draft picks. Um, but this isn't that type of show. They're drafting where they're at right here at pick 28. And I'm kind of projecting a little bit, though, that Ben Simmons won't be there with this pick. And I have them mm -hmm. taking Jason Preston out of Ohio. Um Really, you know, had a great tournament, I will I will say. Mm -hmm. um, had a really good season, a strong season. Um, another one of these guys, like I comp to Bones Highland, where he has a knack for just making tough shots, um, can handle the ball, can play off of it as well. I don't think that he's going to come in and demand to take the ball out of Joel Embiid's hands or even a Tobias Harris if Doc Rivers wants to keep using him as that second option there. 
Um, but I think Preston gives a gives a lot of promise to a Philadelphia 76ers team as a kind of combo guard coming in. What do you think? Yeah, Preston's uh Preston's an interesting prospect. He um I, I kind of have described him as like uh a Tylee's Halliburton light. Like he's not nearly the the efficient shooter that Halliburton is. He's not, and he also doesn't have the kind of like innate defensive instincts that, mm-hmm. that a guy like Halliburton does, which is part of the reason why you and me both loved Halliburton last Absolutely. cycle. Um so so he's missing some of the qualities that made Halliburton like for me this this very complete prospect. But mm-hmm. what he does do is he's six 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 seven and he's got I mean behind Cooper he might be the second best passer in this draft. Just a real impressive uh, ability from an IQ perspective to to spray the ball all over the court, see guys out of his out of the back of his head, create easy opportunities for his uh for his um teammates in in like advantage creation uh, in transition or off the pick and roll or getting downhill in half court offense. Um so he would be he would be an interesting kind of like young backcourt complement to a guy like Tyrese Maxey who's mm-hmm. more of a slashing score first explosive guard where Preston's more of a, of a facilitator pass first kind of guy. I think shooting is going to be a huge swing skill for Preston. If he can stretch the floor effectively, that's going to make him a lot more uh, valuable, particularly on offense. Um, If teams can kind of help off of and sag off of him, I think that takes away and like it kind of locks up the creativeness that he has um, but in transition, he's fantastic. Um, and he's, like I said, he's one of the best passers in this draft class. I've got Preston as a second round pick, but as you get, as you get like at the back half late in this first round, this is where things get wild. And I love what you said earlier. Like, this is the part of the draft that guys like us love. It's like, yeah, sure. Like the lottery's awesome. There's going to be incredible prospects. It's fun. But this is where like, this is where the nerds really get to shine through. Yep. And, and like, this is the, these are the guys I really like talking about, honestly. Yeah. This is where the homework comes into play. You exactly. know, you can, you can watch a 15 minute ESPN special on a, on a Cade Cunningham and be like, okay, this guy's going to be good at basketball because he's good at basketball. <laughs> now we're getting into like, okay, this guy really showed the ability to pass the ball at this level. You just mentioned, you know, he's got a swing skill. You know, how does that project? What team is going to be interested on in taking a chance on a guy like that? You know, he's a second rounder, but he could live up to being a first round type of guy down the line. I love this, man. And I and that's why I was super excited whenever you said, yeah, I'll do the the back half of the draft for you, Steven. So I appreciate that, Lee. Oh, man. Always here, brother. And I think you sell yourself short sometimes, man. Like you, you, uh, you were super high on Halliburton. You were super high on Jaden McDaniels, who turned mm-hmm. out to be a steal of the first round. So um, I appreciate your humility, but you had some really good calls last year too, man. Uh, and I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm. I'm still waiting for that Jaden McDaniels just to take. I'm still waiting for Cassius Winston to get some playing Cassius, time this season and uh, in um in Washington too. But yeah, McDaniels was my fourth uh, overall prospect. Right. No big, right. no big deal. But uh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Lisa. We're in pick twenty nine. Uh, I'm not going to call them losers because they made it to the NBA Finals. You can't be a loser and make it to the Finals, right? We'll just call them the the less unfortunate of the two teams here. The Phoenix Suns are on the clock. Um, and just to kind of give you an idea of the angle that I went here, one, I, I just really like this prospect overall. I think that any team that's looking for a winning now type rookie to come in and make a difference, he makes sense. 
But particularly with Phoenix, we've seen the way that they draft players. They have kind of a a style or um, a profile that you like to say, Lee, I've I've been borrowing that word from you. I love that Mm -hmm. word profile with these (laughs) prospects now. Um, They have a particular profile that they're looking for at these young players. And age really isn't a concern. You know, it doesn't matter that they're not, they may not ever develop into a a big home run hit as far as just overall scoring the ball, but they understand their role. They're unselfish and they could come in and do something for your team day one and they're hard workers. So, with that being said, Phoenix is on the clock. I have them taking Joel Ayayi, you know, the young kind of guard forward, depending on who you're playing against, right? Um, Out of Gonzaga. I really love the fact that he is—he does all the dirty work for the team. Um, he doesn't care that he wasn't that highly um, praised as far as national media goes because his team recognized how important he was. He was rewarded in the what the WCC tournament as being the MVP in that bad boy. So yep. he did a really great job this season as just playing alongside guys that he knew were going to get drafted ahead of him, behind him taking away a little bit of shine from him overall as a prospect. But I think that Phoenix would do extremely well to land a Joel Ayayi here. What do you think? Yeah, well, I think you're dead on with the profile. Like, particularly, I mean, I think most people are probably expecting Chris Paul to be back in Phoenix, although there's there's still a little bit maybe of a question there. I think where this makes a ton of sense uh, is the fact that campaign may not be able mm-hmm. to be retained in Phoenix. And he was obviously like a super important uh, backup kind of um, creation guard for the Phoenix Suns. Um, Ayayi is 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 really interesting because, like like you said, he had just some incredibly important moments for Gonzaga, um, not only in their conference tournament but also in the NCAA tournament. He's a guy who was super efficient from the field, um, had a, had a positive assist to turnover ratio. Seems like he, you know, obviously I think his size will probably limit his ultimate upside as a defender, but he seems like a guy who's really cerebral, like he knows where to be. Um, he rotates well. Um, he He's he's a, he's like adequate on the ball. I don't think he's like a, an incredible on the ball defender, but he's solid. Mm-hmm. Um, so for Phoenix, like you said, a, a team that's look like they, they were they were up 2-0 in this NBA Finals, like before losing four in a row, and just Giannis having maybe one of the greatest NBA Finals performances of all time. So like, yeah. look, two weeks ago we were all like pretty sure that CP3 was going to be having his his parade, and then Giannis said, "No, sir, that's not going to be happening <laughs> this year." So. Uh, like I think Phoenix is to your point, they're going to be trying to improve this roster now. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, if a guy like a Yai can maybe provide, I don't know, 85 to 90% of what campaign was able to provide at a, at a, at a lot cheaper of a rate, obviously, maybe that's something they would heavily consider. I think I'm more partial to a couple other guards that, that could come in and help right away. But, um, from from a fit standpoint, I, I I this would this totally makes sense to me. Like this could absolutely happen on draft night. Um, but but if you don't mind, I know I know no, I'm, please. The, I'm the guest who sh- who should be providing my opinions. But and I know you already talked about him a little bit. But can you sell me a little more on Ayayi and like what 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 to you kind of I guess maybe for all the reasons I just pointed out, but like what makes him like a surefire first round prospect for you? So I think you have to read 
Well, first off, I think that he has a lot of skills that do translate. Um, I think that his defense is going to translate, particularly when you look at how there's really not a lot of just true stoppers in the NBA anymore mm-hmm. anyway, and the ones that are, they they stand out. But I think that we've seen him compete in a scheme with you know Coach Few that you just spoke about. And I think that you can look at that and you say, look, he played to uh, he played next to other NBA talented pl- level talent players and filled his role very well. So if we're a winning team and we want to continue to build, we know that we can plug him in next to Devin Booker, who we just saw actually stepped up his defensive intensity in the playoffs a lot. And I don't think that that's a story that's getting spoke about either. Um, he can fit next to a Cam Johnson. He can fit next mm-hmm. to a Mikel Bridges. He's kind of one of these plug-and-play dudes that Phoenix just loves, and I think there's a lot of teams that are looking more at these kind of plug-and-play athletes. Um, much like we spoke about with Suggs, you know, he there was that there's that comment to where like, okay, he played next to other really good talent. Um, how is that a knock against him? You and right. I, we don't view it that way. As a matter of fact, I look at that and say we know that he can play next to really good players and still have a very solid role for himself coming in. So to me, a back half of the first round, I think that fits the Joel Ayayi. Um, I love his ability to be kind of like a secondary uh, or even tertiary playmaker uh, coming in with a Chris Paul or a campaign or whoever's there and a Devin Booker. Um, I think that he makes life a little bit easier for them because one of the things that they needed was just another playmaker. In my finals analysis between Milwaukee and Phoenix, the reason I picked Milwaukee was just the simple fact that the number three is bigger than the number two. They had three guys that can create for others, and Phoenix only had two. Um, there's a lot of teams that need that third-style playmaker. I think Joel, uh, he he can guard the one-two. And again, depending on the lineup, maybe even the three, um, he can play make. He rebounds tremendously well for a guard mm-hmm. two, which we saw Pat Cotton, uh, you know, Connaughton for Milwaukee have a very solid role for that team as an offensive rebounder and a hustle player. I think that Joel, he just has that winning makeup that teams are looking for desperately now, especially with how deep this draft is and where some of these teams that are even in the early 20s, like a like in Atlanta, I think would be more than happy to have, have a Joel Yai, maybe not day one, but I think as we look at how his career projects out, that he will transfer, like that he is going to be a solid role player, like maybe a seventh or an eighth man on a team. And when you're picking late in the first round, that's what you want. Oh, you sold me, man. You sold me. I appreciate it. That was a good <laughs> breakdown. That was a really good <laughs> breakdown. That was that was literally exactly what I was looking for. Because honestly, yeah, has been a tough one for me to peg. Like, like, and obviously, I'll be I'll be battening down the hatches on on my my ranges and finally putting final numbers on these guys. But like, he's one of those guys that I wouldn't be shocked to see him go twenty fifth, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. be shocked to see him go forty fifth. Like, it just seems like there's a lot of variance with where he could go. Um, but Phoenix. That I think that's one to watch for for NBA draft fans that are going to be you know having having a pizza and some beer um, yeah. on, on on Thursday night. Watch that Phoenix pick because for all the reasons you just laid out, there's there's a lot to be said about the theory with Ayayi there in that backcourt. Yeah, he may even he I could even see him go to the team that's got the next pick. But since he's not on the board, I'm going to go with the guy that look Lee. Just to be honest with you, he's climbing up draft boards a lot. And Mm -hmm. I understand why and I can understand why players or why teams would like his, uh, um, his ability to come in and contribute as a day one guy. 
which is why I have him as a first round draft pick still, even though I'm not that high on him. But Chris Duarte coming in, um, the the Utah Jazz selecting him with the last pick in the first round. I'm not quite sure where you fall with the the whole Chris Duarte creeping up into the top 20 of the draft uh, discussion that has been kind of all over social media lately. Um, how do you evaluate Chris Duarte coming into the NBA league? Yeah, so I do love Chris Duarte. Okay. Um, so a couple different things I'll lay out for, for a case for him. Um, 144 three-pointers made on the season. Um, and, and, and he made those at a 42% clip. So Mm -hmm. that's massive volume. You know, that's, that's not a guy like, like that's the, that's the opposite of a guy like Springer who only took one or two a game, but shot a really good percentage. So it's a little harder to project how real the shooting is with Duarte. You know, this guy was taking five to six threes a game. He's making 42%. Of those threes, he he led the Pac-12 in three pointers made. He also led the Pac-12 in steals, uh, yep. total steals. So averaged almost two steals a game. Big time defensive anticipation. Good size, six six combo kind of hybrid guard wing. Um, spaces the floor. Solid defender. Good size. Like that's a nice little kind of baseline profile, I think, for a guy who can come in the NBA and help right away. Now counterpoints he's ancient we know that like Duarte is he can't get better anymore he's done as a player he's he's, <laughs> he's done developing right right of course yeah of course he can't he can't get better you know no tongue chance. in cheek obviously yeah, I, know, I know I know um <laughs> he is he is not necessarily the oldest prospect in this draft but he is the oldest prospect in this draft that will likely actually be drafted mm-hmm. um and by a pretty big margin i mean the next guy that could be drafted would be like you know sam hauser's 23 and a half jay yep. huff's 23 and a half um and and duarte is 24 and 24 at, and two months old he's older than malik monk steven malik that's monk, insane that's in, like that breaks malik's brain. been in the in the league like what six years now or something malik like monk that? was coached by steve clifford in charlotte yes. that's how mm-hmm. old that's how long he's been in the league and chris Duarte is older than him um, that is so nuts man yeah like when i when i realized that i think it was brian geisinger uh from accccsports.com and buzzbeat that told me that and i was just like I, like i don't believe that and i looked it up and it's inconceivable like, oh duarte is absolutely older than malik monk um also, he's not like you got to really watch him to know the profile. Um, and I think he's kind of perceived as like an on the ball creator. He is for himself, but not really for others. Like, yeah. he's got a nice ability to, uh, you know, hesitate and go. He's got all the step backs and, and, and crossover, pull back, jump shot stuff, like all that's there, but he's not going to put you know an offense on his back as an on the ball creator and create shots for others that's not really what he's great at he's he can a little bit but he's that's not what he is you know duarte is big time shot maker solid size on the wing or at the guard can can give you defensive versatility in the backcourt and he's a better he's a better athlete um and and a, and a better defender with defensive anticipation getting into the in the passing lanes like he'll take the ball from you if you're a if you're a, if you're a mediocre ball handler and you put it out in front of him he'll just take it from you yep um so i i guess i understand the drawbacks the age and the and the creation for others is not what he's great at um i just find i just find it really hard to believe 
that three years into this draft class, Duarte won't be returning like top 20 value in this okay. class. I, I just think he's going to contribute early and often. And as we know, and I talk about this all the time, as draft pontificators, and I'm guilty of it myself, like we always think there's going to be 35 to 40 guys from each draft class that make it. And that's just historically, that's just not the case. It's going to be like 22. It's going to be like in a great class, you might have 25 guys that become second contract players. So mm -hmm. we have to try and parse out and pick through which guys are actually going to make it. And I think Duarte is one of those guys. I think he's actually going to make it, which puts him in the top 20 to 25 in this class, in my opinion, but, um, I, you know, I know he's going to be, I know he's going to be 30 years old, like tomorrow. So <laughs> <it's tough. laughs> yeah. He's, he, he may not be, he may, uh, there's a joke that I almost made, but I think it'll be important. Oh, uh, Utah love the fit, love the fit. Yeah. Like they need shot making off their bench. They've relied on, um, you know, basically Jordan Clarkson and kind of whoever else, Niang, like whoever else can kind of get in there and maybe make a shot here or there. Like they need, yeah. depth. they need depth and they need shooting and Duarte would provide that immediately. So it's an awesome fit pick. Yeah. And I think too, that the defensive side is there too. you know, another guy that can defend multiple positions. We just saw you have a great season with that kind of switchability on defense and the ability to hit down the three. The biggest concern for me is the um, the the dribble game, you know. And if you're in the backcourt and the ball handling is kind of not really there, that's the one thing that kind of concerns me there, Lee. But other than that, I think that he's a fine prospect. And again, I think that this is a guy that you look at and you kind of just want to hope that he finds his way into what you're saying. And again, there's like 60 dudes I wish I could put into the first round in this year's draft, right? So, um, Lee, that closes out our first round. And I just want to let everyone know that support for Breaking the Game is brought to you by Manscaped. Go over to manscaped.com, enter in promo code BTG at checkout. That'll let you know that I'm sent you. And because I'm such good friends with the folks over at Manscaped, they'll give you a 20% discount and free worldwide shipping. And Lee, we're kind of coming up against it for the radio segment. So what we're going to do now is we're going to, close out here. Um, I just got a couple more questions for you for the podcast portion. We're going to get into players that you're higher on, lower on, maybe in a couple second round gems, because I know that you're shopping for those as well. So please go over to anywhere you get your podcast, look up breaking the game, like, share, subscribe, rate, and review. But before we close out, Lee, obviously just thank you so much for your time, man. Why don't you go ahead and let the folks know where they can find you? Yeah, um, at Witch Carolina, uh, spelled just like it sounds on Twitter. Witch Carolina podcast, doing a ton of NBA draft stuff, and then of course we're we're we're, we're covering the Charlotte Hornets as well. Um, yeah, find that podcast on any streaming platform. We've been growing um, pretty significantly each month, and then you'll see some of my uh, written content at HoopsProspects.com uh, for the NBA draft. So thanks so much, Stephen. I appreciate you, man. Yeah, absolutely. And so for our great guest, Lee Branscombe of the Witch Carolina podcast and hoopsprospects.com for myself, for the Off the Ball Network, which is where I contribute, you can go online right now and look up my complete first and second round mock drafts based off of where I think these guys are going to project long term. So please go to offtheballnetwork.com. You can check out that first and second round draft that I have up there. We have a lot of other great material up there as well. My buddy Kenneth from the Shooter Shoot podcast he has an excellent series of the NBA draft as well. Um, you can go over and check all that stuff out. 
And if you're listening to us on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, please don't go anywhere. My buddy Mo's going to be coming on next for Off the Ball Mondays. And then following him, we have Chris LeBron. And then later tonight, the Hoopers podcast is going to be up as well. So stay tuned for the rest of Off the Ball Mondays. I just want to thank everyone so much for your support. On behalf of Breaking the Game, the Nothing But Net channel here on Dash Radio, this has been Breaking the Game. We'll catch up with y'all next time. Much love, everybody. All right, Lee, so now we're back. We're continuing on with the podcast here. Um, for everyone who's just tuning in, you know, Lee had the pleasure of having him come on and kind of dissect my 20 through 30 range of my NBA mock draft. And he's given us great insight and analysis on where he thinks these prospects are going to pan out long term. But we're not done because I want to ask Lee a few questions, starting off with Lee, overall in this draft process, you can either pick with the guys that we went over now. You can go over the draft entirely, the, where you have guys in the first or the second, however you want to do this. Who are just some prospects that, that you're not so high on? And then who are some prospects that you're higher on than the general consensus? Yeah, so a couple guys come to mind um, that I'm not super high on. Um Daisha Nix with the G League Ignite is is a guard that um, – and it's funny because, like, this is actually kind of the profile of guard that I might be kind of biased towards liking a little bit too much. Like, he's he's kind of an old-school, true point guard, really, really um, deliberate in kind mm-hmm. of the way he plays. He's not a bursty guy like – um, you know, you and me will remember, but uh, younger listeners might not remember a guy like Andre Miller in the NBA. Oh, yeah, just like played at his own pace, never sped up. But like Andre Miller, I mean, he had like a couple fifty point games in his career. Um, mm-hmm. so so again, like this is a, you know an instinctual, cerebral, physical point guard uh, is a guy that I normally like, but like I just don't see it with Nix. He's um below average as a shooter doesn't really separate off the dribble you know he's a solid passer but i don't see him as like an above average or or like uh you know instinctual like awesome passer um can't really score gets blown by on defense um i'd love to be wrong about him because i do love seeing guys like this succeed um, I just I don't think he's a draftable prospect. And I think a lot of people I mean, I've even seen some people with him like in their late first round, um, but uh, not not a big believer in Dacia Nix, unfortunately. Yeah. And um, I have him just to be upfront with you. Uh, if you go to off the ball network dot com, I have my second round mock draft up. I'm not going to be doing a full breakdown of that here on for breaking the game on the radio or the podcast. But if you're interested, it is available. And I did do my homework on it. I have Dacia Nix 44th right now to the okay. Brooklyn Nets um, due to the due to the fact that sometimes their guards just aren't available, whether that be due to personal reasons or injuries, what have no. you. Um, he's still very young. I like yeah, his. I good. like the you know I like the the ability to be able to come in and and continue to improve. Lee, I want to ask you this. I asked this uh, with the our, my previous guests that I've had on for the draft. I'm kind of more on the lenient side with these G League prospects because. One, it's its inaugural season. We've never seen anything like it. Um, Dash and Knicks is playing alongside about four or five other prospects that may or may not get drafted. And he's going up against grown men that are fighting for a paycheck. You know what I mean? I think that um, that's how I evaluate it. I'm curious to see um, what's your approach been like with um, evaluating G League prospects. 
No, I, th I think that's true, Stephen. Like, I, I think you do have to contextualize the fact that these guys are playing against better competition, just straight up. I mean, these mm -hmm. are borderline fringe or even former uh, NBA players, grown men. Like you said, these are 25, 28, 30-year-old guys who are professional basketball players that have made a living doing this for sometimes a decade. Um, I, I also, though, though, on the flip side, I also think that gives you a more clear context on how their game might translate to the NBA level because they're already playing at a competition level that obviously it's not it's not the NBA it's not the big show but it's a bit more um it's a bit more uh you know synonymous with mm -hmm. the NBA competition the speed uh, the, the spread pick and roll heavy action like so the coaching all, too there's the even coaching, good coaching the rotation like all of that like so I think it cuts both ways a little bit I think one you have to contextualize it and realize that these are teenagers uh, mm -hmm. playing at a higher level of competition but but I think you also have to consider that if they're showing flaws or 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 struggles that those are real struggles and those may, uh, you you may be able to glean some context about you know their potential um, exposures at the NBA level too. So it's a little bit of a give and take for me, um, but I have loved what like it's awesome to get to watch four oh, yeah. prospects at one time. Not to mention you get to watch some of the other uh, you get to watch some of the guys who are in the G League from last cycle. Like I was watching uh, earlier today, I was watching Ignite versus Oklahoma City, and I get to catch you know I get to catch some Poku action. So yeah. like. It's awesome. Um, but uh, but yeah, that, that's where I'm at with Knicks. Um, and and uh, but but it's it's a great point. And it's an interesting, like theoretical conversation because this, you know, we're going to be evaluating G League Ignite guys, presumably from now until, you know, forever, probably like this, this program, I think, and even in a weird year, I think you could say six. I think you could say it was a success um, for, for these guys for the most part. Yeah, and that's a fair point. That's why I wanted to ask you that question because the way that I'm looking at it, you know, is based off of the way that I'm perceiving it. But the the feedback that you just gave me gives me another wrinkle that I need to consider when I'm evaluating a again a a, a league that we've never even seen before. So we got to figure out like, okay, how do we adequately appraise a, a player's value based off of this brand new upstart league, right? And, and I will say, after I kind of like tore him apart, two points in his favor. Number one, it looks like he's lost a ton of weight um, mm -hmm. since the G League season to now. And it's always I, – I don't try to take too much away from like shooting workouts, but it does seem like his form has been cleaned up a little bit, a little bit yeah. more efficient, quicker release, um, kind of like l more compact, less room for error in there. So – you know, to, to offer a couple counterpoints, I could see how people are kind of talking themselves into a, a new and improved and slimmer Dacia next because, you know, part of the reason why I'm not as high on is because I don't see his ability to separate. But if he's a bit sleeker and all of a sudden he can start turning the corner on guys, well, that changes the calculus a little bit because then his passing vision gets opened up a bit. His mm -hmm. ability to kind of hold guys off and finish around the rim with his uh, physicality, um, you know, improves a bit. So, you know, again, I've said my piece on them, but I wanted to kind of offer a couple counterpoints as well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's totally respect where you're coming from with Deshaun. He's been one of the more um, intriguing prospects yeah. to put it, you know, to put it politically speaking um, that I, that I've evaluated. But um, I, I 
I can kind of talk myself into the upside of a guy like Deshaun. But who else do you have on here, Lee? Guys that you're um, maybe higher on the, than the consensus or maybe lower? I'll give you one more lower, and I don't think this is uh... – and and maybe maybe you're a bit higher on this guy. I'm not sure, but I, I just have not been able to talk myself into Greg Brown from Texas at all. Okay. Um, mostly, and 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 to be fair, this can be a bias of mine, but like I just think his um, his feel and his basketball IQ um, are really really low. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, misses open guys, doesn't rotate on defense, gets back cut, is lost kind of from a rotational standpoint. Now you could say like almost all players are lost defensively, especially as rookies and young players. And he's a tremendous athlete, big time athlete. And he does show glimpses of potentially being able to stretch the floor at some point in his career. And that, if that happens, I think that changes his, his abilities. There's defensive, there's defensive upside there. But man, he's just a mess from like a feel and an IQ standpoint. And and again, that's a personal bias of mine. I like players that know that 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 are a bit more advanced and kind of their feel of the game. Um, and this is another guy, a huge variance on. Like some guys think he should go undrafted. Some guys still have him kind of in the top 20, 25. Um, so you know, I, I can I can I can understand how people would get one way or another on him. I'm just kind of leaning on that side of I don't think Greg Brown ever figures it out. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, and I have him mocked right now, 33rd overall to Orlando. Um, you know, another Texas big man with a little bit of question marks as to how he's going to pan out. That's what they need, in my that's opinion, right. in that's Orlando. Really, that's what Orlando loves. So they, they love it. They love it. <laughs> All right, Lee, how about a couple of guys that you're um, that people are maybe sleeping on, in your opinion? Yeah, well, I mean, he's been my guy this whole draft cycle. He's he's my uh, he's my Emmanuel quickly of this draft mm, cycle. Love me uh, some Miles, Emmanuel last year too, man. <laughs> Miles uh, Miles McBride from West Virginia. I know um, that you're really big on Miles. I gotta always get in my little McBride uh, rant. Obviously, point guard, sophomore from University of West Virginia. Uh, arguably, not probably not arguably top three defender in this draft class. I would argue he might be the best on ball defender in this draft class, way better athlete than he gets credit for. Um, you know, big, big time, like, um, just multivariant basketball functional athlete, mm-hmm. um, sees plays before they happen, defensive anticipation facilitates really well where I think he's really valuable. And this was this was also true of quickly, and they're they're different players. Don't get me wrong, but they sure. do both offer this specific skill set. Miles McBride at the NBA level, in my opinion, will be able to, in a pinch, kind of be an offensive creator in in the pick and roll because he did that a ton at West Virginia. Maybe in a second unit, he can kind of lead your offense in a second unit, particularly early in his career, or he can also be like a second side creator. Mm-hmm. Um, ball reversal into a pick and roll, ball reversal into attacking a closeout, that type of stuff. So so my point is he can be an on-ball on the ball creator when he needs to be as a secondary or tertiary option on the second side or as a primary creator in a second unit against a, another bench point guard, but he can also play alongside of like primary creation engines because he can space the floor. You know, Miles McBride is a terrific pull-up jump shot shooter. He's a very very serviceable three point uh field uh three point floor stretcher as well. So like just like Emmanuel quickly, 
He can provide offensive creation and on-the-ball stuff in a pinch or when you need him to with the second unit, but he can also space the floor with a primary creation guy depending on where he goes. He's a fantastic on-the-ball defender. He's an awesome athlete. He's an instinctual, field-driven, IQ point guard. I'm a sucker for these guys. I think he's going to outperform his draft status by a long shot. Yeah, and just to be upfront and honest with you, please don't hate me. I have him 38th <laughs> right now. Steven, uh, just just Steven. a <laughs> right, right. Just the guard depth in general of this draft class is phenomenal. And that's what makes evaluating a guy like an Evan Mobley even like how good is he going to be compared to other positions? Like obviously as a big man, like he's far and away the best right now. Um, shout out to my guy, Alperin Shangoon. I'm, I'm mm. holding out a lot of hope for Shangoon too. But um, the guard, the guard depth overall, whether it be you know, your traditional point guard style, a combo guard, a hybrid guard, a, a you know, a, a true off guard, you know, just there's so many different types of guards that it's really hard to evaluate the pecking order, at least in my humble opinion, you know, where these guys are going to pan out amongst their, their contemporaries in this draft, Lee. No, it is. I mean, look, you, you look, you just rattle, you just rattle off some of the guards that, that could be considered at least um, kind of in the same range. I mean, mm -hmm. you start with Springer and Butler and Mitchell and McBride and Mann and Desumu and Christopher and Duarte and Cooper. And it's like, just, you know, it's, 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 it's your taste. It's your preference. Like it's really hard to split the hairs between those kind of late lottery all the way to late first round guard profiles and trying to sift through them and figure out which ones are going to be the best. I mean, it was the same thing last year, trying mm -hmm. to figure out between a guy like Winston and, and Pritchard and um, you know, all those uh, quickly maxi, all of those guys last year trying to sift through which of these guards is going to be this. It's, it's the toughest thing to do. I think every year is, is try and pick out the best ones between those like mid first round guards it's really hard to do yeah and then you got like your two guards even like your christopher's or your primos where like totally. teams are gonna look at them and be like yeah this guy can develop into a potential starter maybe even totally. better you know totally. or they or they could just swing the other way we've seen that a number of times too all right lee what's a one more that you got for a guy that you're higher on than the Ooh. consensus or do you want we can go more i got all day i have no family um, here at home I'll we give can you just two. hang out all day long. <laughs> I'll give you two. Okay. Um, number one, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't miss an, mention Isaiah Jackson, um, freshman from the University of Kentucky. I have, him 11th. I have him 11th. There we go. We're, we, we found one. We found one. We're on the same page with yes, there. Um, would love would love him in Charlotte. We'll see if that ends up happening. Um, true freshman, University of Kentucky. Kentucky was a mess this year. Yeah. Um, but a lot they, of the blue blood college programs were exactly. And, and, and as much of a mess as they were this entire year, they were a disaster when Isaiah Jackson wasn't in the lineup. So the minutes when Isaiah Jackson played, they actually kind of like treaded water and were, and were about comparable with their opponents. The minutes when Isaiah Jackson rested on the bench, Kentucky just got absolutely blasted. Mm -hmm. Um, he led the SEC in total rebound percentage and total block percentage as a freshman. He's just a hyper, hyper athlete, like outside of area rebounder. And by mm -hmm. that, I mean like, you know, you see a lot of these kind of like ground bound post players that they rebound the ball if it comes to them. Isaiah Jackson goes and gets rebounds. And yeah. that's like a super valuable thing. Um, 
you know, big time rim roller, big time rim finisher, rim protector, all, super valuable archetype in today's NBA. And like slowly developing his touch on offense, shot 70% from the free throw line, yep. which is not great, but is also not horrific. Um, the shooting mechanics are not broken by any means. I think he just needs experience and reps. He started to show like a little bit of a um, kind of catch and shoot, middle of the lane jumper, a little face up jumper. So I'm I'm just really, really bullish on him as like, at the very least, an awesome kind of rotational, defensive-minded motor center. And then if some of the other ancillary stuff starts to, sh starts to take shape around his, like, core offering, then you're starting to look at, like, a starter-level solid center in the NBA. And, I mean, that's well worth a lottery pick, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. And you, you think, too – Guys that are taken in about the range that where you and I value him coming out of the University of Kentucky, you know, you, you hate to just say like, okay, well, this guy did this, so Jackson will too. But how many Kentucky players can we rattle off that were taken in, in that about 10 to 15 range from the University of Kentucky that got better as a pro because at Kentucky, they weren't able to fully display their entire bag. You know, like how much is still there with Isaiah Jackson that he just couldn't display because of the teammates that he had around him and he had to fit a particular role at the University of Kentucky. Yeah, and and exactly. And and also unfortunately and, and you know it's 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 not the kids fault. It was a tough situation, but like they just they didn't have a real point guard. They did yep. not have a real distributor this year. Um I wish Ashton Hagens would have stayed for one more year. He would have mm -hmm. been one of the more impactful returnees. He would have completely changed like the, the makeup of that uh, Kentucky team. Um, so, for, for, so my point here is like, I agree with that. And also he was able to make the contributions he, he made even without any type of a, of a semblance of like a real facilitator. So get him at the NBA level, hint, hint with a guy like LaMelo ball and one let, of the better facilitators already. And let's see what he's able to do as a guy who can just catch and finish around the rim early in his career, offensive rebound, block shots. Um, that's that's the, that's the path I see for Isaiah Jackson. And besides you and me, and actually actually my guy Rich over at Hoops Prospects is really high on him too. You, us three are kind of the only guys I see like selling him as a true lottery pick, and I think he is absolutely a lottery pick in this draft. Well, our prez, Chris LeBron, is really big on Isaiah Jackson oh, as well. Love I Chris. mean, he's our Love guy. Chris. He's our guy. <laughs> yeah. So, Lee, you said you got one more dude that you wanted to bring up as far as guy that you're higher on than the consensus. Yeah, I'll, 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 I won't go JRE here because I know you love Robinson Earl too. Love JRE. Big on Robinson Earl. I'll give you one other name. This is a little bit more off the beaten path. Raekwon Gray from Florida State. Yeah, I'm not there. Sell me on Raekwon. Okay. Okay, so Raekwon, um, the reason I like Raekwon, and don't get me wrong, not as a not as a top twenty-five guy, but I think at, at like back back half of the first round, and then more than likely he's going to be kind of a, a early second round, mid second round pick. What's interesting about Raekwon Gray is kind of his defensive upside. I think that's the most tantalizing part of him. Um, he probably needs to get in a. He probably needs to lose a little bit of weight, but mm -hmm. like. He's a guy when you look at, you know, when you look at the stock skills like steals and blocks, um, he's over one steal and over one block. And I'm always intrigued with defensive upside wings that offer that kind of versatility. M incredibly quick hands, um, nimble for his size, can guard multiple positions like. 
probably at the NBA, like in college, he could guard one through five. At the NBA level, it's probably more like two, two and a half to four and a half. You know, I don't think he's going to be able to guard, obviously, the best centers in the game. And he's not going to be able to guard the most shiftiest point guards or necessarily like the high, high, high end elite shooting guards. Like a a Devin Booker. Exactly. And who can really, but like, correct. (laughs) but but that's just going to be too much for him. But like anything else, this guy can cover. He blocks shots. He has incredible defensive anticipation. He's a really good athlete. He finishes around the rim. Um, So he, he's a, he is a swing. He's a reach. Don't get me wrong. Um, he, he, he's not an efficient shooter right now, which is going to really probably hamper his value and ability to stay on the floor early in his career. Um, but like, I just wouldn't be shocked if Raekwon Gray in three years ends up being like a really, um, interesting glue guy for like a playoff team. And we look back and we're like, Oh man, like how did this guy go late in the second round? He probably should have been more like a top 30 pick. So that's, that's where I'm at with Raekwon. But, but I know it's, he's an incomplete prospect. Don't get me wrong. All right, so maybe he comes in as a as a Boris DL esque type. Yeah, type I don't know if he passes it quite as well as DL, but yeah, there's there's something there. There's something there. Okay, fair enough. All right, so Lee, before I let you go, and again, I just want to thank you so much for your time, man. I love having you on the program. You're you're one of my absolute favorite dudes as far as well, just dude in general, but in particular, you know, covering the draft as well. Thanks, man. Last time I had you on the show. I stumped you a little bit. I was a little proud of myself because you're the one that stumps me normally. I gave you a name. Do you remember the name that I gave you? I do remember the name you gave me. It was um you're gonna have to help me pronounce it. San- Santi Santiago Aldama. 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 Yep. So have you had a chance to look at any of him? I have. I have looked at Aldama and um you know, our guy Rich over Hoops Prospect has him as a second round pick right now. So I do he too. is I'm fiftieth to Philadelphia right now. Yeah, Rich has got him 55th, so right in that range. Um, I see him as a fringe second-round pick as well. Like you said, like he was a guy I wasn't even aware of, and you made me aware of him, and I went and dug deep on him, and I like him a lot. I mean, talk about a guy who's I mean, really, really skilled, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's kind of the calling card for him, I think. Um, and wouldn't be shocked. I don't know. What do you think? Do you think he ends up getting picked? So I've since I've been mentioning him, and I'm not going to take credit for him because obviously he's doing all the work himself. But I don't know. I'm I've been seeing a lot of second round buzz on him from from when I've been looking at. Him. I would love to see him go second round. Um, I'm just I'm super high on his skill. I think that obviously being fit, me putting him fiftieth, you know, there's a potential that he may not survive in the league or whatever. But I have an affinity for broken things, so to speak. You know, like I love looking at the back end of the draft. I love nerding out over like dudes that might not even be in the NBA, but he's just one of those guys, man, to where I watch his film. I look at the metrics that he that he possesses. I look his at numbers this, the, are crazy. The sheer numbers, numbers that he put. He's a twenty and ten dude. Yeah, and, and he and has over, an NBA and over a block a, a game too. Yeah, um, he close to two. It close was to almost, two. Yeah, it was close to two blocks per game last season. And, you know, he shot 35% from deep, and he was the yep. team's best player. So I think that there's something there. I hope that he even proves me wrong where I have him. But I was just curious to see if you did any any digging on, oh, on yeah, my guy. Brother. Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> right on. Well, Lee, man, I, I just want to say thank you so much. Um, anytime that our paths cross, man, it's always a good time. Um, you're one of the best minds that I know as far as NBA prospect evaluation. Um, just 
I want to, again, give you an opportunity to share with the listeners who are coming over from Dash Radio, who may not have caught it, just to, just um, where they may could find you and all the stuff that you have going on at your platforms. Thanks, man. Yeah, it's uh, you, you, you know the feelings are mutual, and uh, coming on here is one of my favorite things to do. Um, it, the whole network is great, but but particularly love interacting with you and, and Chris, for sure. Um but yeah, at which Carolina on Twitter. Um, and, uh, you know, as obviously as the draft gets closer, I'll be putting out my final big board. I'll be doing a podcast on that big board. Find our which Carolina podcast literally anywhere that you could possibly find podcasts. You'll be able to find us. Um, and uh, and then, yeah, and then I'll be I'll be writing um, some scouting reports for hoopsprospects.com uh, this week as well. Start publishing some of those this week. So thanks again, Stephen. I appreciate you, man. Dude, absolutely. The pleasure has been all mine. All right, so the draft analysis is over. The pleasantries are over. We're going to get you all out of here. Before we do, just want to remind everyone, go to manscaped.com and enter in promo code BTG on your purchase. We'll hook you up with a 20% discount and free shipping. And don't forget, too, that Off the Ball Network has been sponsored by MyBookie. They match up to 50% of your first deposit and up to $1,000 in cash. It's one of the best deals that you can get in the industry. They give you fast 48-hour you know, turn around on on your bets and let's go ahead, get enter that in, enter an off the ball over at my bookie. Let's win together big. All right. So for my buddy Lee for breaking the game for the off the ball network, the nothing but that channel on Dash Radio for the game of basketball at large, people. We love y'all. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch up with y'all next time. Much love, everybody. Thank you.